You're listening to Brown on Brand, featuring Matthew Brown on Thumbstopper.fm. All right, welcome back again. Synapse 2020, it's exciting. It just doesn't slow down. Uh, lots of voices in the background. You know, I'm here live now with uh, Mark Fratello at Marksent. Mark's also our chairman of the board. And uh, happy to have you come by the booth, Mark. I know you're busy. Thanks for coming down. I personally asked you to come by, but I know you wanted to scope out. You're a, uh, you know, a private investor. So, you know, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's tough finding parking. Uh, must be a popular event. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, this thing I just heard, this is the first year we've done Synapse. I got a call, you know, from the group this year and obviously being, you know, that we've got three technology brands, I thought, you know, why not go Showstop, uh, uh, you know, Thumbstopper. We, you know, we're a social media company. Uh, we love Tampa Bay. We haven't done, you know, a lot with getting involved in the community. We've just been busy, as you know, building the business. And, and now that, you know, we can come up with for a little bit of air, we found some success over the, you know, the last dozen years or so in Tampa. So really for us, I, you know, I, I don't expect a lot out of it. It's more about giving back to the community, which I know you believe in as well. Um, I did notice some uh, virtual reality or augmented reality. I think it's very different than what Markson does. But how's it going with Markson? Markson's going great. Uh, I think we've finally gotten to the tipping point. Uh, it certainly helps when you could show customers return on their investment. Absolutely. And return on investment comes in several different ways for us. One, customers who actually look at augmented reality on one of our customers' websites is more apt to convert to a purchase. Okay. Second, if they actually do an in-store solution, that is, they're looking at it on an iPad, they're looking on it, looking at the furniture in their rooms with virtual reality, um, or they're looking at it in a big screen, they will typically have more confidence and buy 40 to 50% bigger tickets okay. than they otherwise would have. And then lastly, 30 to 40% less likely to return a piece of furniture. So when you add all those things up, the ROI is fantastic. Yeah, so, absolutely. so we're seeing customers have average uh, ticket price when they buy furniture or they buy kitchens or anything else that, that we do. Everything is around the home space. It's about a, uh, typically about a $500 more average ticket. And then, of course, uh, you have less returns. So, so yeah. we're, we're getting to the tipping point where people are saying, hey, we need to do this. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. I've had three conversations about furniture today. And, um, you know, one of the things about furniture uh, manufacturers is they're having a hard time, like a lot of companies and brands, pulling in the attention of the millennials or, you know, that age group from call it 18 to, to even 30 now, right? And, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I, I still think people believe in, you know, quality furniture if they're going to make the the purchase um, is that? Do you see that from your space? Is wouldn't augmented reality marksant be a way for these furniture, you know, mar, you know, manufacturers to touch those younger, you know? Absolutely, it's a it's a younger demographic that's going to use okay. this. Although interestingly enough, the first sofa ever purchased on VR was by a seventy year old man. I remember you saying that. Yeah, so seventy year old man used the the program, saw the, the furniture in his living room and bought the furniture. You got it. You got it. So here's an interesting fact. Last year, Wayfair grew by 40%. Mm. And Amazon 
for their furniture division grew by 31%. Okay. The average furniture retailer grew 5 to 7%. Oh, so, wow. So they may be happy because they saw they had some growth, but they had growth because it was a great economy. Otherwise, they actually lost market share to Amazon and Wayfair. Yeah. So what they need to do is provide this new breed of buyer with the same tools that Wayfair and Amazon is providing. Yep. They've got to start getting away from newspaper ads yeah. and do more of the sorts of things that Markson's doing and that you're looking to do, which is, you know, get the younger buyer attracted to the store. Yeah, and my, you know, Thumbstopper's biggest hurdle sometimes, we get the organic side connected. So we share what these manufacturers want shared onto the retailer's social media pages. But the problem sometimes is the content isn't engaging to those demographics. So we're trying to really convince the brands, you know, that are on social media is to invest in that content to attract the younger generation. And, and that's everything, right? That's the future. That's where everything is going. Uh, those are the people who are going to be buying in the future, right? Those are the ones who are buying homes yeah. now. And when you talk about furniture... If you're not attracting the youth, you're really going to be losing market share. Exactly, exactly. And when you think about furniture purchases after the home, after the car, it's probably the, one of the largest purchases they're going to make. So what, what have you found at Synapse? Anything interesting that's... I think it's a great opportunity for young companies to maybe find some of their potential buyers, uh, their customers, I should say, and hopefully also find money because that's the toughest thing, right? You know, if I had, if I was 25 years uh, old now and I wanted to embark on the path which I embarked, I wonder if I would have moved to California because there's there's VCs and PE t- uh, types that won't come outside of California. They won't even come outside of Silicon Valley. Yeah, you're right. And, I, you know, it's what I said. If this is the first year we've done Synapse. I, I wanted to jump on board. I'm so glad somebody's doing it in Tampa Bay. You know, they've, ma- they've gone from 600 attendees to six or 7,000 now yep. in Tampa, Florida. The place is really buzzing. It I'm is buzzing. I'm hoping the podcast works, you know, because the amount of people that are through here and you know, stopping and talking and interacting. So for all the young companies that are looking for capital, I know what that's like. I hope they find it. I would tell them, be careful what you ask for. Do as much as you can with your own money and resources, because once you take those resources, a lot of times they come with teeth and debt and all the things that can, you know, grapple with you a little bit. And it takes uh, so much of the focus away from the CEO and management team. It's a full-time job. Full-time job, and you've got to kiss a lot of frogs. Yes. (laughs) It's like we talked about the other day, and I talked about this earlier. You know, it's amazing some CEOs get through it. You know, that they've, they've heard, no, 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 no. What, they tell you why your business is bad. It's just, it is a brutal process to raise capital. And those that get through it, my hat's off to you. If you're not a resilient CEO, don't be one. Don't be one. Because it ain't, you're going to eat you up yeah. is the bottom line. It's right? not. A, you know, everybody wants to be a boss, but I don't think a lot of people understand what it means to be the boss. And it's not about being a boss because really the CEOs that have it figured out their employees really don't work for them. They really work for their employees. You find yourself really catering to making sure about the culture of the team, the, the things that we put together as a company. Um, you know, I, I think it's the wrong attitude sometimes why people want to be an entrepreneur or CEO. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that uh, 
employees make such a big difference. I know I've had companies in the past that I got more as an exit price because I had a very solid management team. Absolutely. So it's, it's really important. The it's always. A, it's, and that's what makes the Why difference. Why do you invest, Mark? I ask you all the time. You know, when you you see several deals, I mean, the city brings you every deal and you look at them all but and you invest in, in, in a few of them, but what, what does it always boil down to? To me, it's the jockey, not the horse. Yeah. Okay. Yes, markets are important. You know, they say uh, market, 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 or product, product, product. I say CEO, CEO, CEO. And because the CEO has to be resilient. He has to be willing to get knocked down, but get back up. Yeah. And he has to be, be willing. Fighter. And he, he or ha- she. And he can't be a fighter for sure. And he, he or she can't be afraid of hiring people who are smarter better than, than them. The, and better than they Absolutely. are. You know? That's one thing that you said from the very beginning. It was you know, a very good thing to hear from a mentoring standpoint because a lot of times people, the, the ego gets in the way a little bit, right? But you know, a powerful person you know, is powerful because they know what they don't know. And I think the CEOs that know that, they can hire the talent around their weaknesses. Those are the people that flourish. You know, I don't have a monopoly, never have, never will, on good ideas. Yeah. But I know a good idea when I hear it. Yes, yes, yes. And hopefully it's part of that management group that brings you that good idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Best of hat to luck and, uh, you know, with Markson and all the things Thank that you. you guys are Thank working on. Thank you, brother. On. Appreciate that. Best of luck here. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe to Brown on Brand at thumbstopper.fm or wherever fine podcasts can be found.